This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Tech Guide, episode 506. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me once again. Great to have your company on the show. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. And fun fact for you, it was actually 10 years ago this week when we recorded the very first episode of the Tech Guide podcast. So happy anniversary to us. On this week's show, the Tesla Model Y has gone on sale in Australia. We go through the highlights from Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, and Hisense has revealed its 2022 smart TV range. In the Tech Guide reviews, Netgear has released the Orbi Quad Band Wi-Fi 6E mesh system. The Microsoft Surface Laptop Go 2 is now available, and we get ready for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 from Infinity Ward. And we'll answer your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Tesla has just uh, started taking orders in Australia for its latest all-electric vehicle, the Model Y. This is a mid-size SUV. Anyone familiar with the Tesla range knows that the the Model 3 is like the mini version of the Model S. That's what I drive, the Model S. And the Model Y is kind of the mini version of the Model X. So that's uh, that's, that's SUV, and the Model Y is the mid-size SUV. And just another um, thing worth noting as well, it's now four years since I've been driving my Tesla Model S. So I've been an EV owner for four years. And you could be too if you're interested in the Tesla Model Y, but you've got to get in quick. They're already taking lots of orders. What started as the delivery window at org between August and November this year has now blown out to February onwards 2023. That's how quickly people responded in Australia. Uh, the Model Y has been available in the US for some time and other markets. And it's only uh, finally arrived in Australia now. So what, what Tesla did was they opened their Model Y design studio. That's basically their website that allows you to spec up and, and pay a deposit on an order. So that's you ordering the vehicle. There's no dealers. No, that doesn't get to work that way with Tesla. You jump online, spec up the car. So you, you spec up the color. The model that you want, there's two models I should point out. There's the rear-wheel drive and there's the performance model. Now, rear-wheel drive is the is the cheaper version. That starts at $68,900. Performance starts at $98,689. So the difference between the two, uh, rear-wheel drive, you get slightly less range, 455 kilometres. Were, uh, compared to 514 kilometres with the performance model. And the 0 to 100 kilometres an hour on the rear-wheel drive is 6.9 seconds. Performance, 3.7 seconds. 
Top speed of the rear-wheel drive, 217 kilometres an hour. Top speed on the performance, 250 kilometres an hour. Now, the difference, of course, is that one is a rear-wheel drive only, which is the the cheaper version. The performance is a dual-motor all-wheel drive, hence the reason why it can go faster and has greater range and all of that. Uh, so they're the main differences same colours available for both, same seating layout available for both, same interior available for both. Uh, there is a difference in the wheels. The performance, you get the 21-inch uh, wheels, whereas the rear-wheel drive, you get a choice between the 19, which is included, or optional 20-inch wheels as well. Now, the car itself is uh, it's a, a lot of people aren't fans of this car. Sort of, it, it is, as I said, like a mini version of the SUV, I don't mind it. I think it's uh, it has its appeal. Plenty of plenty of re- interior space as well. And as is typical with the Tesla, there's a 15 inch touchscreen interface on board. Uh, that's the only thing you'll see on the dashboard is this 15 inch screen, and that basically just controls the whole car. Uh, and the the Model Y doesn't even need a key, so you you can, you can use your phone for fast entry and exit out of your car. So entry locking it, and then when you leave, it'll lock straight away, so you don't even need a key. I think they give you some card keys, but you can use your phone, the the Tesla app on your phone, to be your key. The app can also unlock the car, precondition the car remotely. What that means is that, say it's a hot day and you want the air con on, or it's a cold day and you want to warm the car up, you can do that from the app. So you can say, right, I want to, I do this when I'm playing golf sometimes. If I'm coming down, if I'm coming down the the 18th or, or, or if I'm playing the 9th, and it's a hot day. I often off the tee. I just I just hit the aircon. So so by the time I finish up and get back to the car, it's nice and cool. That's what you can do through the app, and you can also locate the vehicle with the app. Set a speed limit mode as well. So say you lend someone your car, you can maybe set a speed limit of you know eighty kilometers an hour, hundred kilometers an hour, whatever you want to do. Say you got a your your teenage son or daughter wants to borrow the car, you can also use the speed limit mode with them as well. Now, it is a five-seater and has a panoramic glass roof. So the entire roof is glass. And what's different with the Model Y compared to the Model 3? The Model 3 is a lower car, so you're sitting lower to the ground. The Model Y, I notice, has it has elevated seating. So you can see, you can have a, a better view from every seat. That's what they want to give you. On the storage front, plenty there. Uh, you've got the front trunk, of course. You've also got split-fold uh, second-row seats, and you get a total of 2,158 litres of space. That's a lot of space to store your stuff. Uh, the, the Model Y is also, just on the safety side, one of the safest mid-size SUVs on the market. Tesla, in general, all of their cars are very, very safe. Uh, they've got the... They've got the, the Crumple zones, and they've got the rigid body structure, so plenty of protection there. Uh, And it has also a very low centre of gravity because the battery is on the bottom of the car, and this this is the car's less likely to roll over because of that. The weight on the bottom of the car keeps keeps its low centre of gravity, so less likely to tip over. But has passed all the safety checks and is considered one of the safest cars on the road, and the Model Y included. Now. Unlike other cars, this is what I, this one made me uh, what, what got my attention the day that I picked my Model S, my Tesla Model S up in 2018. 
they said to me at the time, and this is true for all Tesla drivers, this is the worst your car is going to be. It's only going to get better over time, and boy, were they right, because it's got regular over-the-air software updates and all these features that have been unlocked. From the, from the time I had my car to now, I think there's, there's 30 new features on the car that weren't there when I bought it. The capabilities and features all included and all through the software updates. I think that's remarkable. So the Model Y, if you have already got in with your order, you may be lucky. You may get it as early as August, or you might be waiting till uh, early next year, depending on what how, with the sort of order you're in there for the pre-orders. And pricing again, sixty-eight thousand nine hundred for the rear wheel, and nine from ninety-eight thousand six hundred eighty-nine for the performance model. We are going to have the Model Y to drive this week. So in uh, keep an eye on Tech Guide. We're going to have our review. We're going to do a video. Uh, we're going to give you a look inside the car. So stay tuned for that. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to see what the car looks like, if you don't already know, and see all that information I shared about the two models, you can check all of that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Now, late or early last week, just before we recorded uh, episode 505, the Worldwide Developers Conference was early the next morning. Uh, so I covered it like a tarpaulin on uh, on Tech Guide, but haven't had a chance to talk to you guys on the podcast about it just yet, even though it's nearly a week ago. I do want to go over some of the highlights as well. First of all, let's talk about, I want to talk about, let's get the hardware out of the way, and we're going to talk more in the help desk about the MacBook Air powered by the latest M2 chip. Now, the other the other, the other, other uh, introduction of uh, hardware was the MacBook Pro, 13-inch MacBook Pro, which has had no design change but does now have the M2 chip. In the help desk, we're going to discuss the differences between the two. I'll leave that to then. But the 13-inch MacBook Air has had a total redesign. It's the first time it's been redesigned in many, many years, and uh, it does look remarkable. It's also available in four different colours as well, so it's like a phone. The, 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 that's how they're, they're marketing it now. It's, the colours are Midnight, Space Grey, Silver, and Starlight, just like the phone. Midnight is more a bluey grey colour. Um, silver is silver, Space Grey, you know, and Starlight is sort of that whitey, white, beigey colour as well. So yeah, that's what the MacBook Air with M2 is going to be available in. It is it's still ha- it's still really thin and light. It's got a 13.6 inch liquid retina display now, which is a larger display than the previous model thanks to the thinner borders. And now that it has the notch in the top of the screen, there's that extra bit of space up top as well. Uh, so sort of following the path of the the MacBook Pros from last year. The screen has 500 nits brightness as well. That's 25% increase over the previous model. It's moved away from the wedge shape. You remember the wedge shape? We used to be fat at the back and then used to taper to be quite thin at the front. Now it's all unibody, so a consistent shape and size uh, all the way along. It's just 11.3 millimetres thin and is just 1.24 kilograms, so quite light. The, uh, it's also bringing back MagSafe. That's a, they, they did that with the MacBook Pros last year. This is the dedicated charging port, so if someone trips over the cable, it pops out harmlessly rather than dragging your laptop across the table or onto the floor. That's why that's there. The two Thunderbolt ports on board also to connect a monitor, 
uh, or a couple of monitors and also other accessories. It's also got a 3.5mm audio jack as well, and that does support high-impedance headphones. Really excited about the MacBook Air. I will ha- get my hands on one hopefully soon and we'll have a full review for Tech Guide. But uh, in terms of hardware, that was sort of basically what the only hardware that was introduced at WWDC. Now let's jump into this software, which is what it's all about. It's a developer's conference after all. Uh, first thing they debuted was iOS 16. This is the new iPhone operating system. And the, the, the off right off the bat, they were talking about the new lock screen. So you can adapt the lock screen, change the font, change the color of the time, change everything, your photos. Uh, now add widgets to the home to your lock screen also, so that at a glance information is right there. You can also, I like this part. You can also create multiple lock screens for the various modes. You might have one for home, one for work, one for holidays, and the home page will also respond to that as well. So you can have like a work version, home version, holiday version, however you want to do it. It's customizable. That's the key word with iOS, I think, this year. It's a lot of customization to make it just how you want it. The other the other thing that stood out to me was the messaging. Messaging now, and, and this is also, this is only for iMessage users, okay? So if you've got friends who are Android, then you're kind of out of luck with this feature. But if your mates have iPhone and your family has iPhones and they're all on iOS 16, you do have a little bit more freedom with your text message, and uh, including be, uh, being able to take back a text, mes- text message. So you can recall it before within 15 minutes, so if, you, if you've made a boo-boo or sent the wrong message or done something, you can actually recall it. Or if you've made a spelling mistake, and I love this feature because I'm a real OCD when it comes to spelling, and I often send a, the reply, little, another reply with a little asterisk in the word I meant to say or the word I left out or whatever. So now you can also edit within that 15-minute period as well. CarPlay's over, uh, undergone a massive transformation here. Basically, and this won't be ready till next year at the earliest, basically what CarPlay is going to do is be able to take over your entire car's system in terms of displays. You know, often you have a smaller display, a display behind the dry, uh, in front of the steering wheel, a secondary display. Now CarPlay can work on all of those multiple screens and include deeper integration. So you can even look at, you can even get your the speed gauges and fuel levels and all of that in front of you. And you can even customize it, personalize it to the style you want as well. So stay tuned for a lot of CarPlay work next year. Uh, now, another feature that is was introduced in, in um, w- was part of the Mac OS, uh, which is Mac OS Ventura. And I couldn't help but think about Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, when I heard that name. So macOS Ventura is the new name for macOS. A few things here that caught my eye. Number one was being able to use your phone as a webcam on your Mac. So, you know, you, 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 your Mac already has a webcam. It's just a one one camera. It's HD if you've got a late, recent model. But... You do miss out on a lot of the features because the, it's just the camera on your Mac is just not as capable as the phone or as the camera on your iPhone. So if you've got a, an iPhone and running Mac OS Ventura, you can use your phone's cameras as your webcam, and, and in particular the ultra wide camera as well. So you can enjoy things like center stage. 
So you can, you, if you move around, it'll, it'll keep you in the middle of the frame. But the other, the other really cool feature was the ability, and, and this feature is called continuity camera. So what it does, it gives you center stage. It, it provides portrait mode. There's a new feature called studio light. So I can actually illuminate the user's face and dim the background at the same time. So it's so good, you probably don't need a ring light. You know, a lot of people have additional light to make themselves look a bit better. Uh, it, it does use some pretty some pretty advanced AI and machine learning to focus on your face and brighten it up. But the other really cool thing was a feature called Desk View. And when, you, when you're looking at it, it's, you'd, you'd swear it's a top-down camera. There's like a camera above your computer looking down on your desk. What it actually is, it's the wide-angle wide camera lens on the camera, and it is pointing, looking directly down at the desk in front of the computer. And because it's got such a wide angle, it can see that portion, and it, it actually it, it takes the distortion out of the picture and makes it look like you've got a camera that's aiming from right above your desk. So really good if you need to share some information or show somebody something that's on your desk. Uh, I think the example they used in, in the keynote was in people looking at different swatches to buy a, a, a couch. You know, husband and wife may be on a call, and they can just share all that information there as well. But amazing technology. One other feature, and I think this is probably the feature of WWDC, I think they they really buried the they buried this lead. I reckon, uh, and I'm talking about pass keys. Now, pass keys is is kind of a new way of logging into sites, and could very well have been could could very well kill the password. That's how big this is, and they were pretty pretty casual about it. As I said, it was like more than an hour into the presentation, and they discussed passkey and how it works is you sign in so there's a new this new secure sign in method that's confirmed with face id or touch id so say we go to a site and it's secured with a passkey it'll generate a digital key for you and store that digital key on your device on the secure enclave of your device then what you do that's consider that to be your password. Then what you do is confirm that with your face ID if you're on a phone or touch ID if you're on a computer or an older iPhone and you're in. You've logged in. No need to remember a password because the digital key is your password. It's safe because it's on your device, not on the company's server. And that's the other upside is that say that Normal, under normal circumstances, your password and all your information would be on the, the site's server. If they have a data breach, guess what? All your info's out there. Well, now with pass keys, that info is on your secure enclave, on your device. So there's nothing to leak. It's on your computer. The other thing too, this is massive as well, is that the password can't be fished. And by that I mean... You know how often, I'm sure you've received an email for that looked like it came from a bank or a post office or whatever, saying, oh, there's an issue with your pass, your account, you need to sort it out here, click here. That is trying to get your password and your, your digital identity. So they can't do that anymore because there's nothing to click to. It's on your, the digital keys on your device. They can't trick you to resetting something that's already on your device. So 
again another another feature that makes this this even more secure. And now Apple isn't alone here either. I should point out that Microsoft and Google are supporting this new authentication standard. And it was endorsed by the FIDO Alliance as well as the World Wide Web Consortium. So the transition away from passwords has begun. Apple says it won't happen overnight, but it is working with these other companies to develop, imagine this, a password-free future. I'd like me some of that. Uh, the other highlights from WWDC uh, on WatchOS, there's a new range of, uh, app, of of watch faces. Why they don't have a watch watch face store, I'll never know. There's also uh, new health uh, features. Uh, in, uh, one to remind you of medications and also list the medications you're taking. And, and it sort of has the feature that if you're taking several medications, it'll point out if you, the medications you're taking may not be well to take together. So it's got you back there, as well as reminding you when to do it. There's new sleep tracking as well, so uh, a lot, a lot more, uh, rather than just sort of giving, telling you how long you slept. This is now going to talk about how the different stages of your sleep, so it can detect that using the heart rate sensor and the device's accelerometer. So you've got to wear it to bed, and it'll give you a lot more deeper sleep information as well. Uh, on Mac OS Ventura 2 and, the, and on iPad OS, the, the star feature was a feature called Stage Manager. And basically what this is, if you've got a whole heap of open windows on your desktop, Stage Manager can put them all in, an, in a neat row on the left-hand side and allow you to work on one application or project at a time. So the others are neatly stacked on the left-hand side of the screen. You simply click on that other stack and that brings up all those active windows as well for that particular application or project. So it really does help tidy up the desktop. That's sort of the sum, the summary of the main features of uh, of the Worldwide Developers Conference. There's a whole lot more, and I urge you to go to Tech Guide and read about iOS 16, iPad OS 16, Mac OS Ventura, Watch OS 9, the Mac, uh, the MacBook Air M2, and find out even more information on passkeys. All of that information is there for you at TechGuide.com.au. Now, Hisense has uh, come to the party with a new range of TVs, and I was lucky enough to be at their launch event, which just happened to be at the State of Origin last week at the, at Accor Stadium. It was a sellout, 80,000 people out there. Hisense is a major NRL sponsor. So uh, what better way? I, I, I remember the phone call. They said, oh, Steve, would you like to, would you be interested in coming to our phone launch, uh, our phone launch, our smart TV launch? It's going to be at the State of Origin. And, and I, think, I went, uh, let me think. Uh, sure, I'll be there. <laughs> so uh, that was a great night. Shame about the result. If you're a New South Wales supporter, I don't know whether you're listening to this in Queensland, but you guys were the, the better team, had a good win. Uh, but uh, the Hisense TVs, they were the star of the show before the game. They did show us their new range. What I like about the range is there's, is there's, so, there's so much choice. And choice not only in screen sizes, which I'll get to in a moment, but also the type of TVs they're ranging. They're ranging the ULED range. They've also got the mini LED range. They're bringing back OLED as well. And, of course, at the top of the line is the laser TV range, if you want to go even bigger. 
So they've got you catered, they've got you covered in all areas here. Let's start with ULED. This is their, this is kind of their bread and butter type television. This has uh, quantum dot technology. It's got HDMI 2.1 standard, so gamers can have that really great 120 hertz experience. It also has dedicated a dedicated game mode with variable refresh rate, auto automatic low latency mode, Dolby Vision IQ, Dolby Atmos, all on board, and sizes ranging from 55 inch all the way up to 98 inches. So. I know I hear it from I hear from you guys a lot. I get a lot of questions about this. People asking about TVs and what they're the the stepping on point in twenty twenty two. It seems has now become seventy five inch. That's become the new entry point for customers. Anyone looking for a TV? Most people are looking at seventy five inches. So they not only have seventy five, but they've also got eighty five and now ninety eight inch. And the ninety eight inch TV is 7999 and that's recommended retail price. I reckon you can get a much better price in store if you want this massive TV, 98 inches, 2022 model, the ULED, which looks terrific, then I reckon that's that's for plenty of bang for your buck you're getting there. I think the price, cost per inch I think is pretty good there if you really if you've got the room and the desire for a 98 inch TV, that is definitely worth considering. Now, there are other TVs, the Mini LED. Now, that the difference between the ULED and the Mini LED, Mini LED has a lot more local dimming zone. So it's a full array local dimming. So basically what it means, you go from hundreds of dimming zones to thousands of dimming zones. And, and that just makes the contrast look a bit better, the high dynamic range look a bit better in 4K, uh, colours pop a bit more, a little bit better, uh, uh, the... the whole contrast or the whole picture comes together a little bit better. And that's the benefit of mini LED. Still has at its core the similar quantum colour technology, but the main difference is you go from having a button size or larger LEDs as a backlight to microscopic LEDs. That's why it's called mini LED. Uh, Sizes in the mini LED range, though, if you're after a massive mini LED, they go up to 75-inch not 98 inch as you can with ULED. Now, I mentioned earlier, OLED is coming back. And Hisense had an OLED model, I think two or three years ago, and we reviewed it on Tech Guide. It was not bad. And it the panel, okay, so the other panels, the ULED, mini LED TV panels from Hisense are made in-house. That's their own technology. The OLED panel on the Hisense TV is actually manufactured by LG. So LG, they source the the, screen, the panel from LG, but all the other the other uh, bells and whistles is high sense technology. So it's the high sense color technology, or all, all of that stuff is on the high sense side. Uh, the OLED this year is uh, it, it it's available in fifty five inch and sixty five inch. So if you if you want to go big with a high sense TV, unfortunately it can't be OLED. Uh, I think the reason for that is because I think the cost will probably blow out a little bit there. Uh, the they start at twenty seven ninety nine. They're going to be available from August, so they've got the X eight H and the X nine, and they're going to be twenty seven nine nine upwards. I think the X nine starts at four two nine nine. That's the sixty five inch model. So uh, that is what we can look forward to there. 
And then, of course, you've got your laser TVs. And the laser TV, if 98 inches isn't big enough, you can go up to 120 inches with the laser TV. Now, they've had laser TV for quite a while. And laser TV, if you hadn't heard of this before, is a short throw projector. The 120-inch tri-chroma laser TV, model number 120L9G, this has trichrome X-Fusion laser light technology uh, and includes a 120-inch ambient light rejection screen. So basically, screen comes with it. It's grey, not white, and it has these, these ridges on the screen so that once the light hits it from below, from the projector, it then comes straight to your eye. So it's fashioned in a way so that you're getting really good colour brightness but also, too, even if there's a lot of light in the room, you're still going to get quite a bright picture. That's the problem with a projector is that if you live in this bright, open-plan uh, house, brightness is going to be your worst enemy for a projector. But with the laser TV, if you, if you, can, if you can maybe make a little bit dark during the day, you, you'll, you should be able to watch this all day long. If you can't, obviously, it's only for night, but with the re ambient light rejection screen, you, you should be able to watch this quite comfortably. It's bright enough for you to see during the day, even in a semi-bright room. I'm not going to say it's going to be perfect in every house because some houses might have really bright sunlight in, in those areas. And if that's the case, you might have to opt for maybe a, a, a ULED or a mini LED TV or even an OLED TV, which are now brighter as well. So, Plenty of options in the high sense range. That's what I like about it. They really do give you plenty of choices across the whole range, not only size of TV, but also the type of TV you want to buy as well. If you want to read about the high sense range and take a look at the photos, as well as all the pricing, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. The dark web is an underground part of the web that isn't searchable from regular search engines. It's where cyber criminals buy and sell illicit items and stolen personal information like bank account details, home addresses, credit card information and more. Norton 360 Premium includes dark web monitoring which searches the dark web markets for your personal details and if discovered will notify you. Norton 360 Premium has multiple layers of protection for your devices, online privacy like a secure VPN, and dark web monitoring, all in a single solution. With real-time threat protection to help protect you and your devices from existing and emerging online threats, parental control to help manage your kids' online time, and school time to manage your child's remote learning, a password manager to generate, store, and manage your passwords and other credentials more securely, SafeCam for PC, and SMS security too. Norton 360 Premium for PCs, Macs, and smartphones, or tablets is available online at au.norton.com or an electrical retailer. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. We are talking about the Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi 6E. Full transparency, Netgear, as you know, is one of our great sponsors. And this product isn't actually a review. This is more a report on the launch of this product. It's only just announced 
I do know enough about it to tell you more. I will be doing a full review though for the site for Tech Guide and also for this podcast. So, uh, in the meantime, let's talk about it. It's the Orbi Wi-Fi Six E Quad Band Mesh System. It's the world's first quad band Wi-Fi Six E Mesh Router System. Now we know Orbi. We know Orbi quite well, uh, and how it is a has a modem and a satellite to give you even coverage across your home. Well, the Orbi quad-band mesh Wi-Fi system, this is the RBKE960 series. The, the model I'm going to tell you about has a router and two satellites, so three units in total. And first of all, think about how vital our wireless network has become. We, A lot of us are still working from home. A lot of us are still learning from home as well as going about our usual activities. We're talking streaming our, our content, playing online games, browsing the web, all, all of that stuff is at our fingertips. But add on top of that our growing number of smart devices. You may have some cameras. You might have some smart lights, switches, all kinds of devices on your network that have to take their part, their place on the network. So the bandwidth has to cope with our normal day-to-day stuff, our smart devices, but also being Wi-Fi 6E also has to give you the luxury of having that faster speed for your newer devices. So if you've got a recent Samsung phone or a smart TV or a laptop from the last 12 months, Guess what? They're 6E compatible. Six Wi-Fi 6E is the latest Wi-Fi standard. And if you happen to have those top those products and this Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi 6E system, then there is a band, a 6 gigahertz band dedicated to those devices. It's kind of like business class for these devices. They've got their own section, they go fast, it's all good, all looked after. But don't forget, there are three other bands as well. The other bands are a 2.4 gigahertz band and two 5 gigahertz bands. Now, let's start with the 2 gigahertz, 2.4 gigahertz band. This is the band where all your smart devices live. So your smart lights, your cameras, your switches, anything that connects to your system, to your network that's a smart device requires a 2.4 gigahertz band. So all of those are positioned and given their own little area of bandwidth on the network. Now, the other 5 gigahertz band is then where everything else plays. Your laptops, your gaming consoles, all those things that require the bandwidth for them to work well. Your other laptops, older computers, all of those other devices. And we're talking now, you you take stock of how many devices are connected in your home, we're not talking 10 or 15. We're talking 50, 60 devices nowadays. So all of that is all taking each band looks after every aspect of your connection. Now, there's a second 5 gigahertz band, which is used by this new Orbi as a dedicated backhaul channel. Now, let me explain what that means. The backhaul is the channel that is exchanged, the data is exchanged between the satellites back to the router. So this data has to travel back to the router, right? So rather than compromising the other channels, 
using those existing channels for the backhaul. It's got a dedicated backhaul channel so that all those other channels are free and clear for you so it doesn't affect the performance of your connected devices. So this is the quad band setup and each of those bands have their jobs to do, have their devices that they can look after and connect. So again, you get a really consistent and wide network. We're talking being able to cover an area of up to 430, 450 square metres. So if you live in, in a large house or you've got to have a large block, then this is going to give you coverage corner to corner in your home. So that's the basics of the system. Support for Wi-Fi 6E with a dedicated 6 gigahertz band, 2 5 gigahertz band, as well as a 2.4 gigahertz band as well. And you can even, if you want to, set up each band as their own network just to make it easier to connect those smart devices, to connect the 6E. You, knew, you might get a new smartphone that's 6E as well. That's up to you. There's, there's, you can have up to four separate Wi-Fi networks, and which would be one for each of the bands. Uh, so that, that just, I think it, it simplifies it, but also streamlines it at the same time. So this is, uh, th- this is a, a big release. I think the, the, the quality of the network you're going to get here is going to be no more people re- complaining that, oh, hang on, I'm watching Netflix and I'm getting the buffering and my, the game, my game's lagging over here and uh, you're doing, you're, someone's over here on the browse and the web and it's, the, 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 web, the page won't refresh. And with this system, this can happen all at once, by the way. So everyone's doing this at the same time. So having this kind of bandwidth and these speeds and these bands, that is what's going to make the difference. Now, you get all this stuff, and I've got to say, I was a bit surprised at how expensive this is. It's not a cheap system. And it, we, we had the, uh, the, the stream, the announcement of the product last week, and the price of the three-pack, so don't forget, it's the RBKE963. There's the router and two satellites. There's also a black edition too, which looks pretty cool. So if you want to have sort of a bit, a bit of a sexier look in your in your home, the black edition, exactly the same specs, same price as well, two thousand seven hundred and ninety nine dollars. So that's the price for the three pack. An add on satellite on its own, if you want to go even further, is nine hundred and ninety nine bucks. Now a lot of people have reacted, "Whoa, that's expensive." And you know what? It is expensive. But look, look at what you're getting. I'll break it down even further for you. If you were to buy just one really good quality router that had Wi-Fi 6E, had all the bells and whistles, then you'd be paying over $1,000. Now, in this pack, you're not getting one of them. You're getting three of them to give you this deluxe setup for your Wi-Fi. And that's the reason why it's 2800 bucks. Now, look, there are other cheaper Orbeez if you want to go that way. Good, good for you. There are other, even other brands of mesh Wi-Fi systems that, that can give you good coverage. The reason this is more expensive is, A, it's the latest Wi-Fi standard. It does give you wider coverage. It is a quad-band system. So there are other, plenty of tri-band systems around uh, that are cheaper, including Netgear's systems as well. So I'm just giving you the... The top-down look here where this is brand new, this is the latest technology, and that's why it's expensive. Plus, you're getting this. This is a – normally, Orbeez come in a two-pack, so the router and a satellite. 
they're, they're selling this as a, a triple pack, so router and two satellites. That's why it's also more expensive as well. If, if this was just a two-pack, this would be around 1500 bucks, and that's kind of around the same price as the other Orbi, Netgear Orbi products in the lineup. So that, that's the Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi 6E quad band mesh system. If you want to take a closer look at it, you can check it out at our website, techguide.com.au. Alrighty, let's talk laptops. Microsoft has released the new Surface Laptop Go 2, now available in Australia. I do love what Microsoft's doing with their Surface lineup. You know, their tablets, their their two-in-ones, the studio I'm a fan of as well. Now the Surface Laptop Go 2. This is kind of their version of, this is their version of the MacBook Air, I'd say. So it's light, it's affordable, and does everything you need. It's fast, and uh, the, the the latest version has just landed. It's now available. The laptop go to. It's running the the quad core eleventh generation Intel Core i five processor, and naturally running Windows eleven. It does have the signature Surface Premium design, so really nice and light. It only weighs one point one two kilograms, which is actually lighter than the new MacBook Air. I've got to say. Has a metal finish and uh, pretty light. So no excuses not to take this anywhere. It's like carrying nothing. Has a 12.4-inch PixelSense touchscreen display. That's definitely one thing the MacBook Air doesn't have is a touchscreen. Has a 3.2 aspect ratio. I like this because it's it's kind of a more a squarer uh, rather than rectangular shape. It's not quite square, but 3 by 2 is like the shape of our old televisions before the flat screens. That's a good shape for watching content and also for browsing websites. A website, you get a, you catch a nice portion of the site uh, in one go. A narrower, a narrower sort of a wider aspect ratio, it's like looking through a letterbox. You don't get much in that, in that grab of the website. That's why I like this. It's kind of a, a best of both worlds scenario here with a three by two aspect ratio. Uh, on the connectivity side, there's a USB-C port as well as a USB-A port. There's also Surface Connect, which is their little uh, little blade charging thingo that looks like... I keep thinking it's a memory card slot. It's actually a little charging slot. Surface Connect, that's called. There's also a headphone jack as well. And now, like it, Microsoft's aware of how many video calls we've been making in the last couple of years, and I think that's why they've included an improved HD webcam as well. Plus, there are two studio mics on board. So when you're making your calls, you're going to look good and you're going to sound good, which is, let's face it, we, that's a necessity nowadays. Uh, just last week, I think I had five video calls. So it's become, an, it's become a norm now because that's just an easier way to get together rather than having to go to one place. So that's kind of the new reality where video calls, if you thought that post-COVID you're going to get rid of them, uh, no, you're not. It's just easier to, to, to catch up and talk to everyone. So, yeah, Microsoft's got you back there with a better camera, better microphones as well. The full-size keyboard has 30% more key travel than a MacBook Air keyboard. Key travel is how far you can press down the key. And, and fans like, myself included, I like to feel the key travel. I like to feel it. Not hear it. It's pretty quiet, but... 
you want to be able to know you've hit that key. And that's what key travel is all about. There's also a decent sized trackpad as well, precision trackpad, really easy to navigate the system while, uh, while this is on your lap or on the go. Uh, on the battery side, you're talking up to 13.5 hours, and that's what I'd call an all-day battery. That's what Microsoft calls it anyway. 13.5 hours, plenty of time to get a lot of stuff done. And like the MacBook Air, I told you it was like the MacBook Air, there are a range of colours this time as well. There's sage, ice blue, sandstone, and platinum. All those colours are on our story as well. The Laptop Go 2 is priced from $1,199, so a lot cheaper than the MacBook Air. Uh, includes the Intel Core i5 processor, 8 gig of RAM, 128 gig SSD storage. If you want to go up to the 256 SSD, then that's going to cost you an extra 100 bucks, $1,299. That's the Microsoft Surface Laptop Go 2. Uh, we're going to have a review up on Tech Guide in the coming weeks. But if you want to check out what it looks like, there's a close-up too of the uh, the power key, which also has a built-in fingerprint reader too. I, uh, th- this has Windows Hello and Instant On, I should mention too. The, wind- the fingerprint reader is integrated into the power button. So check all those pictures out. You can see the pricing and the images, the whole thing, the whole story about the Microsoft Surface Laptop Go 2 uh, is all there for you to read at techguide.com.au. Now, I think you know me by now. We have been doing this podcast for 10 years, after all, but I am a fan of Call of Duty. In fact, you know what? Looking back, when I was working at the Daily Telegraph, I was working at the Daily Telegraph Telegraph until the end of 2010, which is just before I started Tech Guide. If anyone still has the original copy of Infinity Ward's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which I think came out in 2007 or 8. No, 2009, I think it might have come out. Take a look on the back of that cover. If you've still got that game, take a look on the back cover and you'll find a quote from yours truly. I'm so proud of that that I my quote from my review is on the back of the box. I think I said uh, Bound to be Remembered as one of the best games ever, and it said Stephen Fennick, Daily Telegraph. I, I thought that was the, one of the cool things. And uh, it's happened a few times. I've had my name, my quotes on a couple of games, and I was – I remember I think my son was, had his mates over a few years ago, and they were playing one a Call of Duty game that had my quote on it as well, and I was like the cool dad. But, yeah, the Infinity Ward, they're back. They've got Modern Warfare 2, kind of a, a redo of Modern Warfare 2. Now, they did a redo of the original Modern Warfare uh, a couple of years ago, and that was brilliant. I reckon that's one of the best Call of Duty games, which I still play to this day, still play the one that was released a couple of years ago. But now they're taking that story forward. And if anyone if anyone did the campaign of Modern Warfare a couple of years ago, you could tell, hello, they're going to continue the story. And this is what exactly what they've done. So they, they pick they, they, they pick things up with there's obviously going to be the 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 one player campaign, and the characters are back though. Task Force One Forty One. So you got John Soap McTavish, Kyle Gaz Garrick, Simon Ghost Riley, Captain John Price, and the newcomer is Colonel Alejandro Vargas. 
Now, what they do, and I love love these games. It's this this immersive, dramatic, globe trotting story that takes you to all corners to complete your missions, to all corners of the globe to complete these amazing missions. But the the sequel, uh, Modern Warfare Two, now introduces advanced gameplay driven by AI. So there's things like new gun handling, a new gunsmith and other graphics innovations that I'm dying to see. I've seen a level, if you take a look at on, on YouTube, there's a reveal trailer that I've got on my story on Tech Guide, but there's a, a level that they've that you can watch being played. I think it's called Dark Water. I think it's probably one of the original levels of the game, one of the first levels of the game, the first mission, and it looks incredible. So I can't wait for this one. This is It comes out, by the way, October 28th. Normally it's mid-October, mid-November, but uh, I'm so happy it's coming out a bit earlier. So here we have Task Force 141, again, sort of this global story, taking us around the world, all these different missions, stealth missions, high-stakes missions, lifelike settings, which is fantastic. There's also, too, going to be the Warzone experience, so the new Battle Royale, kind of your Fortnite-style gaming. Uh, And also, of course, multiplayer mode. Hello. As I said, if you're on PlayStation Network, uh, if you're playing, I think it's you know, they cross over now. You're playing uh, Call of Duty online. Check out, look out for Sharky number six, Sharky six eight. If you're playing against me, say good day and watch yourself. <laughs> so you can pre-order Modern Warfare two now, and if you do that, you gain access to the upcoming open beta. So that'd be awesome. The pre-release version of the game will give us an advanced look at the not only a level of the game, but also the multiplayer mode. So you see some of the maps and the weapons. That's going to be unbelievable. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is going to be released by Infinity Ward on October 28, 2022. And guess what I'll be doing on October 28, 2022? I will be playing this game. If you want to check that out, see the reveal trailer and uh, see some images as well. That's at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, work, gaming, video calling and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by Belkin, our good friends at Belkin, belkin.com forward slash AU. Now, if you're after a cable, a charger, earphones, MagSafe products, they've got you covered. So check out their products, belkin.com forward slash AU. Belkin also uh, will be one of the first companies to supply mounts for your phone to use it as a webcam with Mac OS Ventura. That was actually part of the uh, Worldwide Developers Conference keynote. So Belkin, 
on the front there, on the front line of tech with these amazing accessories. Now, I earlier mentioned the MacBook Air M2 and the MacBook Pro M2. And I've already had questions from you guys asking, what is the difference? Which one should I buy? Now, price-wise, the M2 MacBook Air is $1,899. The MacBook Pro with M2 is $1,999. So $100 more expensive is the M is the Mac Pro M2, MacBook Air M2, $100 cheaper. Now, screen-wise, you've got a bigger screen with a MacBook Air, 13.6 inches. Same chip, M2. Same CPU, 8-core. Same GPU up to 10-core. Same unified memory, which is their new name for RAM. You can have up to 24 gig of RAM. Same storage, up to 2 terabytes of storage. The MacBook Pro has you has better battery life, up to 20 hours compared to the up to 18 hours battery life. MacBook Pro has Touch Bar and Touch ID, whereas the MacBook Air just has Touch ID. And in terms of the, the chip, and the media engine, storage capacity, memory, everything is virtually identical. Uh, the MacBook Air M2 has a liquid retina display, whereas the MacBook Pro has just a retina display. Same 500 nit brightness, same wide color P3, same true tone technology. Designs are a bit different, of course. The MacBook Air a lot lighter and thinner. Uh, the the um, the MacBook. Pro is one point, nearly 1.4 kilos. The MacBook Air is 1.2. And people are saying, why don't I just buy the MacBook Air instead of the MacBook Pro? All these features are my way. Now, the answer is in the name of the product, the MacBook Pro. Now, the main difference between the two products is the MacBook Pro has a dedicated thermal cooling system. So how this was explained to me, they've got the same processor, and if you're the sort of user, more a pro-level user who's doing a lot of long long stints on high, high uh, applications, sort of high-end applications, so if you're rendering, processing, doing things for hours on end that need the processor to be performing for hours on end, then the MacBook Pro is more for you because the cooling system allows the processor to perform at those higher levels for longer. The MacBook Air can do those things, but for shorter bursts. Because it doesn't have a dedicated thermal cooling system, then it, it'll sort of go and then it'll come back down again, go again. So short burst work is pretty good. If you're more a pro where you're going to be setting something up for to process something for hours on end or render something or uh, create something for it's going to take hours, then the MacBook Pro with M2 will serve you a little bit better. I've had a lot of people wondering, well, what's the difference? They're both M2. They're kind of the same, nearly the same price. The, the MacBook Pro, if you're the pro user who's going to be at it for hours and hours and hours on these high-end applications, MacBook Air user, and I'm probably more a MacBook Air user because I do some video editing, I do some audio editing, uh, but I don't do it all day long. I do it sometimes. If you're a MacBook Pro user and you do video editing all day long or audio editing all day long, then the pro, then you're a Pro user, then you need the MacBook Pro. I hope that explains the difference, uh, all of those things. 
uh, I do like the feature on the Apple website where you can compare the Mac models. It does allow you to actually, to literally put them side by side on their website. So yeah, now you know the difference between the MacBook Air M2 and the MacBook Pro M2. And that is our show for this week. If you need to find out anything that we've spoken about on the show, you can find it, of course, at our great website, techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, please email info at techguide.com.au or easier still, click on the Ask Stephen icon on the right-hand side and it will send an email my way. We want to thank our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Please support the sponsors who support the Tech Guide podcast. Thank you once again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 